0: The Holy Gospel according to St. John from the first chapter, glory to you, O Lord. The Gospel reading this morning is taken from the book of St. John, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8 and 19 through 28, and it can be found on page 1646 in the Pew Bible. John 1. 6 through 8, and 19 through 28. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now, this was John's testimony. When the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was, he did not fail to confess, but confessed freely I am not the Messiah. They asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah nor Elijah nor the prophet? I baptize with water John replied but among you stands one you do not know He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. And this all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan where John was baptizing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Growing up in the little town that I grew up in, there were many foes that I came across. It was just growing up in a small town. There were bullies. There were people that uh, wanted to take one up on you. Even my big brother was a source of fear for me. And one of the things that came to me in regards to advent of all things is about expectation. We have an expectation of the Lord coming, right? But this is a joyful expectation. But for whatever reason, creeping creeping into my mind came the words of foes and even my big brother, and that was this, when you least expect it, expect it, right? And that changed my life because it's not easy to sneak up on me. I've been snuck up on so many times that I'm always in kind of a state of expectation. But I digress. It'll make sense in a little bit, I promise. Last week, our gospel, we introduced or were introduced to John the Baptist. And today's gospel tells us about the Jewish authorities, the two different groups that came out to investigate the baptizer. And it is not really all that unusual. It shouldn't be to us unusual to to think that the authorities of the time would come out and investigate men who came on the scene and claimed to have a religious message. They just did that. The first century, Israel was full of people who were eagerly awaiting the Messiah. And there were many men who were eager to give them, that is, the people awaiting a Messiah, what they asked for. False messiahs and other prophets were showing up on a regular basis. You could say they were a dime a dozen. In fact, there was a Pharisee named Gamaliel, Gamaliel, who is referenced in Scripture, and he made some remarks concerning a couple of these false prophets to the Jewish ruling council. And he said, uh, it's recorded in Acts chapter 5, verses 36 through 37, he said this, Before these days Thutis rose up claiming to be somebody and a number of men, about 400, joined him. Further he said Thutis was killed and all who followed him were dispersed and they came to nothing. In verse 37 it says after him Judas the Galilean Rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. And he too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. Now, for us, from these words, we learn the names of at least two men who made special claims. Of themselves special claims of themselves and we really should expect that the ruling authorities in Jerusalem of the time we would expect them to send men to investigate anyone anyone who attracted a following so when we learn that a couple of delegations came out to investigate John we should understand that they were doing exactly what they were supposed to do. They were checking up on John to make sure that he was not misleading the people. And these delegates really are not out to trap John in his words. Instead, they were asking, they were asking legitimate questions. In John, we see a prophet doing exactly what he was supposed to do. A prophet is supposed to confess the Christ. When the priests and the Levites from Jerusalem asked him, who are you? He confessed. And he did not deny, but he confessed I am not the Christ. Now, a true prophet is a true prophet because he proclaims the truth. He proclaims the truth because that is what God gave him to proclaim. Now, a little bit about the truth. Those that have studied the prophets, those that have studied life know this. The truth might make people sad. The truth might terrify people. The truth might make people angry. In fact, the truth might make people angry enough to kill the prophet. But nevertheless, the prophet tells the truth that he received from God. The truth that John had for his listeners was all about the coming of the Lord. John told the members of the delegation that he was preparing the way of the Lord. The Lord whose sandal he was unworthy to untie. Again, it's not really unusual for rabbis to say that the Messiah was near and it was certainly appropriate for a rabbi to say that he was unworthy compared to the Messiah. Now what made John's message unique was that his insistence, his insistence was that the Lord was standing amongst the people right now. John taught as though that the very Lord of which he was or whom which he was preparing the way was listening amongst them to his every word. And this was definitely new. And this kind of preaching was definitely unusual. And the sad thing in the gospel assigned for today is that the men in the delegations wanted to know who John was, but they didn't really care. They didn't care to hear his message. And when John told them that the Lord was in the crowd standing among the people, they were not impressed. As far as they were concerned, no one in the crowd looked particularly messianic. The problem is is that the men in the delegations had preconceived notions about the coming Messiah and his messenger. And And the fact is, according to those preconceptions he did not match up he was not what they expected for they expected the messiah to reveal himself in worldly glory and power they expected the messiah's messenger to be a splendid reflection of glory And of power. (laughs) And so when we see John, a shaggy-haired eccentric, he didn't fit their notion of the prophet, the prophet of the Messiah. Their preconceived notions blinded them to the blessings that God wanted to give them through his servant, John the Baptizer. And we know that John the evangelist, his brother James, and all the other disciples of the baptizer, they would soon, soon meet the Christ. But the men in these delegations, they would miss out. They passed up the opportunity of a lifetime because the baptizer did not meet their expectations. Nothing has changed in 2,000 years. We still let our expectations block our relationship with God. We expect our religion to teach us how to get along with others. Even though thousands of years of human history shows us that we can't get along with others. We expect our religion to teach us to lead an honorable life, even though we have inherited the curse of sin from our parents as we grew in our mother's womb. There is no getting around that. We expect our religion to make us happy, healthy, wealthy, and wise. In short, we expect our religion to teach us how to live happy and prosperous lives here on this earth and how to earn our way into heaven when we leave this world. Despite the fact that the Bible clearly teaches us that that is just impossible. We expect Jesus to be just a great moral teacher or a a life coach, or an example of how to live. And so that's all that we really see. We miss the opportunity of a lifetime because of our limited expectations. The salvation God gives us is unexpected. The true God is the almighty Lord of this and every other universe. Really? But who would expect such a high and exalted God to pay the high price of salvation on the behalf of such lowly people? Who would expect him to give it to us for free? Who would expect God to leave his high throne of glory to take on human nature and live under the authority of the law? Who would expect a Savior to hide his divinity in the womb of a virgin? Who would expect a Savior that was so poor that even in his death, He was laid in a borrowed tomb. Who would expect salvation to come out of the blood and the bone and the sweat and the pain of a grisly execution on a cross? Who would expect the dead author of this salvation? To rise from the dead or ascend into heaven. Nevertheless, this is the salvation that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ offers to us. This is the salvation that He earned for us when He sacrificed Himself. On the cross. This is the salvation that he promised to us when he rose from the dead. It is not what we would expect, but it is the truth. If our salvation is so unexpected, how can we possibly take this salvation for ourselves? Well, the simple answer is we can't. It's too unexpected. We, God must change us. He must change us so that we can receive his unexpected salvation. When you least expect it, expect it. He must do something in us that we cannot do for ourselves. He must give us the faith that receives his gifts. And just as God earned our salvation in an unexpected way, he also works faith in us in unexpected ways. Who would expect that the almighty God of the universe, who would expect him to come through the teaching of and the preaching from frail, fallible, sinful men. Who would expect the Holy Spirit to rely on the Word of God as it is written and read to change the hearts of readers and hearers? Who would expect water connected with the Word of God to offer forgiveness, life, and salvation, even to little babies who would expect bread and wine combined with that same word to carry the body and the blood of our Savior into our mouths. God is the God of unexpected and it is the unexpected faith that he works in our hearts by these unexpected means that give us his unexpected salvation. The God of the unexpected, he's coming again and that too Will be unexpected for many. Everyone will receive more than they expect. Those who did not trust God's grace to save them will receive more punishment than they expected. Those who believe in Him will receive more blessings than they expected. And during this season of Advent, the Holy Spirit prepares us for Christ's unexpected return, so that we live lives that expect the unexpected. And only those who live in the unexpected joy that proceeds from God's saving gift of faith, will be ready. All of the others, with their preconceived notions of how it is, all of the others that rely on their own understanding, all of the others, like the two delegations that came out to question John, will miss out. But not you. What are your expectations? In the name of Jesus, amen.